0: Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable podcast. We are here recording episode 147. And today we will be talking about the state of English in China, why so many people in China uh, perhaps don't always speak great English, why some of my students speak immaculate English. So we'll be talking a little bit about the education system and how English is taught and learned here. and. Uh, Also, just my overall impression after living here in two months and uh, seeing the lack of English that has been quite surprising to me. Um, So we'll talk about it and uh, get to the bottom of it. So uh, my co-host and my language detective, Jared, is here to help me solve the mystery and uh, I'll give him some clues. So it should be a good episode today. So without further ado, my buddy, Jared, what's going on, Jared?
1: I'm on the case. And I'm not going to come up shy, but please, uh, I expect you guys not to come up shy either. All right, that was a bad one. That was bad. Let's start over. Let's start the whole thing over. No, I'm just kidding. Spread a little love. Oh, oh, hey, 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 hey. Spread a little love. There we go. No, let's definitely start over. I quit. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Please follow us. (laughs) Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Twitter, Untranslatable1, the number one. Uh, You can give us those five-star reviews and really spread that love um, on iTunes and Stitcher. Um you can then obviously email us untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. We love untranslatables. If you heard our episode with Amarenz from the uh foreign language collective, you would know that we love and are still struggling through learning and understanding untranslatables, but that's what make them that's what makes them fun now, isn't it? Um it's did I miss anything? Um Oh, we're on YouTube I don't too. Think so untranslatable podcast we We have a song of the pod playlist that's also our website untranslatablepodcast.com dude it snowed here the other day and not only did it it snow quite a bit didn't it it did snow quite a bit i heard that this was a record for november word on the street you know i said when i was asked to non-michiganders that i know i said maybe four to six inches but i was told by the news but i don't know if i don't know they check open airfields you know and the dustiest part of it i right uh was reading that it was like eight eight and a half to nine inches of snow which is a lot of snow and it was a lot of snow it snowed all day the other day and um i loved it because i didn't have to go to work it was veterans day and i had that day off and um it was great for me from the window watching people slip and slide, watching cars slip and slide. That was enjoyable. Um, but now, like, it's just cold, you know. And mm. I forgot. Was oh, there what no s- snow on the ground? There's no snow on is the street. Still on the ground. Okay. But there is still snow on the ground for sure. It hasn't gotten like I was. I was telling someone the other, I was like, I forgot what it was like for it to be this cold in Philadelphia. The coldest it ever got was what it is right now throughout the entire winter but it's november this is only winter november. hasn't even started <laughs> yeah, yet it's only november right <laughs> and this is like right. peak cold for where i used to live and it's just it's crazy to me how quickly i can lose my uh my cold strengths um right. what's what's winter like uh, maybe we've talked about this what's winter like in where you're at jinan china well
0: Jared, well, Jared, you and all of our listeners in Michigan right now are going to hate me because, well, yesterday it was 55. The day before that, it was 70. And you're in the same hemisphere, right?
1: You're in the northern hemisphere?
0: Uh, wouldn't... N- like, no, the, I think the have seasons are not opposite, north. aren't they? Oh, y- the, you're right, you're right, you're right. Now we're exposing my terrible uh, geography <laughs> knowledge. But yes, That's usually how I remember yes,
1: Southern I, and, and is how, what direction do your seasons go?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we are in fall, end of fall, beginning right. of winter. Okay, here. Is there like a rainy season one? or something? Uh, that's a good question. I think maybe in the spring, maybe. Okay, but not like a
1: cold one, not a winter one.
0: Well, so we, we do get winter here. It will get cold, but it. from what I've heard, it doesn't really snow very much. Mm. Uh, and the winter here, from what I have heard that's really when the air pollution gets bad because of all the all the coal heat that they're using. Um, oh,
1: really? Oh, that's a bummer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Because I'll be honest, I've only had to use my mask here uh, maybe four or five times, and I've been here for two months. So so you use that, that app to know if you have to or not? Yeah, I get a notification every morning, so I know exactly. Oh, interesting. exactly. Air matters. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So check that out if you're coming to China um cuz it's very useful absolutely. I also have I have it up in Michigan but the air is always super clean in Michigan so to no surprise. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, uh I spoke with my parents yesterday, uh, no not yesterday, a few days ago. And uh and they were telling me about the snow and stuff like that and uh and I was it was funny Jared, I had like a weird kind of existential crisis where that was the day when it was like I think about 70 part of me was like oh my god i would love to see snow right now but then part of me is mm. like "This 70 de- 70 degree weather is actually kind of nice i mean i still feel that way though like
1: when, when i didn't have to go to work it was lovely out and i was like this is great um mm. but then you know the second you walk outside you're like oh no this is terrible um but i, I i'm still kind of looking forward to the snow a little bit i'm not gonna lie I just, I just, you know, going outside is terrible. And I struggle to know, right. should I wear, you know, this, I, this hat that's on my head right now is my main winter hat, too. I got it, actually, when we were in Berl- uh, Berlin at mm-hmm. uh, H&M. Yeah, at H&M. And mm-hmm. I wonder, I was like, I don't want to wear this inside work, you know. It's not like a, people don't wear suits, but it's kind of like a, right. you know, business casual plus place. And I'm like, I don't know. Uh, but then, even that like two minute walk from the car to the building is just like this is brutal. Mm. I don't know. I right. got a lot, of, like, you lot need, of you need to you <laughs> need to talk
0: to your your superiors at work and get some uh, get some company beanies, and then you can wear that at work and not feel bad. Branded beanies. Yeah, dude. That is genius. All right. Or get non-translatable beanie. That would be pretty sweet. Speaking of staying warm in the winter, though, Jared, there was kind of a crazy event happening on 11-11, November 11th here in China. So eleven eleven is China's equivalent of Cyber Monday or, well, I'm, I'm not, I won't say Black Friday because I think shops do have sales, but the biggest sales are online. And as we've talked about on the podcast before, people in China order everything online nowadays. Right, I really don't know more, how brick and...
1: They're like way more online-based, period, um, with everything right, they do.
0: right. Right. I mean, my, my phone plan itself is unlimited data. It's right. only $13 a month. Um, so that's pretty pretty crazy. Wow. Um, yeah. But anyways, so uh, it was it was like Cyber Monday or Black Friday, whatever you want to call it. Basically, lots of deals. So <laughs> I came to China without a winter coat. Uh, I also now, On because purpose? I have a Chinese bank account. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I came here without a winter coat because I figured I you could find a cheap it. one here. Right. Exactly. And so, so let me tell you, Jared, so I will tell you what I've ordered. So I, will you uh, let me guess uh, how much it costs? Really, okay, sure. Well, let me tell you how many things I ordered and then I'll let you guess how it, how much it costs. Okay. 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 So I ordered, well, initially I was only going to order one winter coat, but <laughs> I will be going to Harbin, which is the coldest, pl- well, one of the coldest places in China. Um, and so I was worried that one winter coat and layers might not be enough for there. So I ordered a like a nice. It looks kind of like a pea coat. Uh, it's like a dark gray wool winter coat. Then I bought uh, from H and M. I bought like this really thick other Wait, winter you bought coat two, that has that like, look a
1: like, hood. Said, oh, those no, are no, the no, two no, coats no, you no. bought. No. I got gotcha. you.
0: Yeah. Yep. So I bought those. I bought a like a nice uh, light blue button down that has like like lining in it. So that's supposed to be really warm as well. Uh, so I bought that. I bought, what else did I buy? I bought that. I bought, uh, two sets of dumbbells for my apartment. I bought, uh, five kilogram dumbbells, which are a little bit over 10 pounds and 10 kilogram dumbbells, which are a little bit over 20 pounds. So I bought those. I bought a yoga mat as well. Um, let's see here. What else did I buy? I bought two, um, Two blazers online because they looked really sharp, and they were pretty cheap. So I bought two blazers, and I think that was it. I was going to buy – there was a really cool Woodstock T-shirt, but it was not in my size. So Mm,
1: I'll take that. And
0: sizing (laughs) is a little tricky. So so for my winter coats, because they were both – so depending on where you buy the store that sells whatever clothing you're buying, you'll either get European sizes, which I know – Like I'm usually either like a 180 or a 185, uh, which would be like a coat or a shirt. Uh, that's like a large, but then the Chinese sizes are a little bit trickier. Uh, I mean, they have the measurements on there, but I don't obviously have like a, like a tape measure here at my apartment. So, um, I just had to kind of, I put the centimeters in inches and just try to ballpark it. Um, but I ordered everything, if I wasn't sure, I ordered it a size bigger, because I figured it's better to have a size bigger and actually have it fit me hmm. than a size that's a little too tight. So uh, this is, so, anyways, so. so
1: I have to factor into my guess that you're taking pretty big gambles here on,
0: <laughs> on a whether these bit, will yeah. fit you <laughs> Okay. Well, I mean, I know the two winter, I know the two winter coats will fit, because those are European, in theory they should, because those were mm. both European in sizes. In theory, you know those will fit. Yes. The blazers, I'm not sure yet. We'll find out.
1: Okay. So what do you think I paid for? I'm gonna tally this up. Two winter jackets, blue button down, dumbbells, yoga mat, two blazers. Yep. I'm gonna do some quick math. Fourteen quick math one sixty four. One I'm gonna say one sixty five dollars US dollars
0: for everything uh, you're not how much was it actually you're you're pretty close i think it was like 170 you know what i'm gonna then be
1: honest with you i'm gonna be, i'm gonna tell you exactly what i wrote down two winter jackets 150 dollars, blue button okay. down seven dollars dumbbells seven dollars yoga mat 50 cents to one dollar blazer two blazers ten dollars and i that would tally up to 164 165 175 yeah that's about
0: what it cost there you go isn't that crazy though? two winter jackets two yeah that's, blazers, i mean that's a great a deal down yeah yeah and a lot of them were uh at least on the website according to the sale uh most of those were half off so right yeah
1: wow I'm so i'm gonna be styling
0: there. come this winter jared get ready <laughs> yeah, dude, dude so buying new clothes cool. feels so good.
1: I recently bought new
0: clothes. It does. See. It does. I just we will we'll see if they fit. The other that's funny thing point. is, too, Jared, is when you order and there's clothes, there's no real here return China. policy, is there? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. That's rude. That's rude. Yeah, of course. Slipping on is. Gator Piss. Um, but see, that's what I don't know. Like, how does it, I don't know how it works just yet. So we'll, mm. I really hope just everything will fit and I won't have to deal with it. But the other interesting thing, Jared, of so course. I got, I finally got, um, HDMI cables for my laptop to plug into my TV. I found out my TV is a smart TV, so that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, you know how to use it? And Kind of. I mean, what well, I have shocking. learned now to, what I have learned <laughs> to do here in China now with like any electronic appliance is you just hit buttons. button mash. Of you course, just hit buttons yeah, and that's see what, what I happens. do yeah. with any appliance yeah. here in the United States. Of
1: that's, that's actually true. Now that I think about it. You're right. That's totally true.
0: So, but the the interesting thing about my TV. So we had talked about it a few, quite a few episodes back when I finally got Wi Fi, and you know I had the opportunity to get. Chinese cable installed as well. And I was like, no, you know what, I'm I'm not going to do it. Well, good news, Jared, with this smart TV, because it's hooked up to my Mm Wi-Fi, I can actually get all sorts of stuff, Chinese shows, all sorts of stuff. They're automatically like on my TV. Hmm. I couldn't tell you what it says because it's all in Chinese characters. Right. Have you started watching uh, anything? I did watch some news in Chinese the other day. I didn't really understand anything. So... Mm was kind of a lost cause but anyway so no that's the not reason true Don't say this that,
1: up <laughs> it's better than not doing anything i would say if you're trying to learn that's
0: true by you the way start i have somewhere. my first chinese lesson next tuesday oh like official a chinese lesson it is with a postgraduate student in the english department here at my university um, okay and so she'll be we'll be meeting for an hour a week and she'll be giving me chinese lessons so that will be really cool But anyway, so the reason why I mentioned the HDMI cables and stuff and being able... So now I can plug my laptop into my TV, which is great, and watch Mm -hmm. stuff. But you would think that... uh, I don't know if it's because I'm usually not home in the evenings when they deliver, but I get a text message, obviously also completely in Chinese, and I have to go to a special building in my apartment complex to pick up um my package so i get a text message they tell me what building and the code i have to show the worker there and they they find the package you have to physically be there
1: oh no 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 so they can uh, so the delivery people can drop it off but then in with like within your mailbox area at your apartment you have to like sign it out for someone okay
0: it's That's not that bad. Well, but the th- but the thing is is these there are multiple ones in my apartment complex and they don't you would think they would deliver them to the same one, right? Oh, they so don't. you have no idea what So you just have to like give show them your thing and they're like, "Nope, you go to the next one." No, 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 no. So it says, I can show you the text message. So it says on the text message, the only thing I can read are the are the damn numbers um and that is usually the let me find one real quick. That is usually where uh where you go so see so these two text messages here um yeah the numbers are on
1: 1 at seven thirty or nineteen thirty for you military time uh-huh. people and then yep. along yep. some sort of package number or, or shipping number i yep. would assume yep from a very long phone number wow it's so interesting seeing your uh yeah your uh signal up there and and uh and Chinese. Chinese. Yeah, your carrier. Know, right? That's, That's China, a cool look.
0: China Unicom, yep. Uh, but yeah, so it tells, it tells me what building and what like room to go into. So, so at least I can figure that out. Um, but yeah, so I had to go in and, uh, and get, get that stuff. So I'll have to do that again once this once my like 80 bajillion packages ar- arrive. Right. Because they, they all come from different sellers.
1: Um, but, so I the mean, they're, they're, they're very used to packages coming in at a very high rate because you're not the only one that orders stuff true. online, I'm sure. That's very, very that's true. That's the culture, baby. Right. Um, that's true. You, I so believe... Let,
0: oh, go ahead. Uh-huh. Please. Let me... Yeah, let me... I think you're you're about to introduce what I was about to... Please, uh, go, go say, for it because you're the one doing it. Is that... Uh, so, every week, I have uh, an English conversation hour... And we have a different topic every week. So this week, we talked about American culture. Um, so it was a super fun one. And I, I'll tell you what, Jared, we had over 60 students in attendance. This wow. was the biggest one I've had. Do you so, think the word's so, getting Jared, out
1: or something, or is it just a coincidence?
0: I think the word may be getting out. I know a couple of... I've told a few of my colleagues about it, and they probably have told their students as well. Um, mm. So yeah, so this one, I didn't really know how to answer, Jared. And I'm going to give it to you. And I'm curious if you have an answer for me. What is the most traditional food in the United States? Hamburger. Okay. I didn't, I didn't say hamburger because I didn't want to say that one. Uh, that one to me was almost too cliche, maybe. I said it depends where you live. Because like in Michigan, we have, um, what are those called? Pasties? Pasties? right they're like these like meat pockets you know what i'm talking about google it p-a-s-t-i-e-s
1: but you're saying the most wait traditional food
0: right in michigan that was like a very traditional staple at least in the up it's kind of like a meat pie almost
1: yeah but that's so specific Uh, (laughs) sorry i just typed it in and got pasties the thing that you cover uh nipples with uh right (laughs) and i I was like oh no
0: but yes that's why that's why i made sure to type in michigan food after after i did that because i i went on a search engine uh to show the students that and i did not want those to pop up that's for sure oh Um, man that would have been great oh god that would have been so awkward on so many (laughs) so many levels um but yeah i think it depends where you live in the united states like what is traditional american food I mean, obviously, so you, you, you have chose like your uh, a region, a, a regional food
1: from a tiny area in Michigan, inhabited by a couple thousand snow people.
0: But, okay. but, the, <laughs> but but then I also I also talked about chili dogs and hot dogs in general. Like I think I think like grilling and barbecue is very traditional American. I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, it's just like a meat pie thing like it's a m- meat it is meat uh calzone i don't know how to explain
0: it that's a good way to put it a meat calzone i like that <laughs> uh all right so this I've one never also it, though. i thought was difficult to answer jared which part of america has the tastiest barbecue i thought that was um, a good question i mean isn't it texas that's what i said but I have friends from different states that, like, that's those are fighting words, Jared. If you say Texas barbecue, people from Kansas will be like,
1: whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's like, hey, say whatever state you're in. I don't care
1: if it's Maine. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's true. But the I also answer is Texas whatever barbecue. state you're in. Right I, th- right. I mean, Texas is... I mean, obviously, there are other places, like maybe people in Oklahoma or Tennessee or Kentucky might say something. But I think the texas is is, is a, a fair answer too and even if if all these other people from these states that probably aren't the best want to fight for the best it's like yeah I, we, yeah but you, you at least understand why I, if you're explaining it to people that don't understand american culture you'd go with texas right like right in that I would sense say so. I, but they would be like no probably
0: all right next one this one was a difficult one to answer Um, Well, not difficult, but I just didn't really know how to phrase the answer. Is it really unsafe to go out at night in America? (laughs) I mean,
1: that's such a. I mean, but they understand right the concept that like, where 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 are you? Are you in uh, like yeah? I don't know. Are you walking through Dexter the or uh, through your neighborhood, or are you walking through North Philadelphia? Uh, those are two very different situations, right?
0: And that's what I explained to them that there are like some places where like it's fine. And I even said like where my hometown, like it's usually fine to walk around at night. But yeah, where if you, I if lived you, if you're in, in
1: Philadelphia, like, yeah, I wasn't in North Philadelphia, but
0: I was close. And
1: it's like it's not that it's dangerous walking around. It's just m- take note of which direction you're walking. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Uh, this was also an interesting one. What do you think of the wealth gap in the United States? I mean, it's a perfect symbol of ca- capitalism. Right. That's true. That is and true. And I think people... Any other
1: thoughts, Jared? People like to pretend that they stand for, you know, the working class and that sort of an American staple. But really, I think um, it's a perfect, like a, uh, you know, sort of metaphor for America. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I would agree. This one, this one was an interesting one, and I, I that enjoyed might be a answering deep this for one. your uh, language cl- table, but <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah. I, I just, I just said that, like the, to me, it seems like a lot of the wealth gap is because a lot of the
1: incredibly, excuse me, sorry, excuse we're boring, incredibly Chad wealthy here. people. It is um, very <laughs> terrible time for him at nine a.m. in the morning on that's a right. uh, Thursday. That's right. <laughs> Um, But anyways, what I mentioned
0: was that a lot of people, really, really wealthy people in power are able to influence and consolidate more power, either through their wealth or their connections or whatever. And that Mm -hmm. has caused the gap to become worse. Um, But anyways, this one, this one, though, was an interesting one. Uh, As we all know, America has a relatively short history. What do you think are several important points that made the country develop so fast? And I, I will
1: just I will just I will
0: just tell you this though, Jared. The first thing I said though is I said, well, the United States may have a short history, mm-hmm. but America itself does not. And sadly a lot of that history has been erased from the United States because of the genocide of Native Americans. And so I yeah. I said that and I said I said that needs to be acknowledged, that needs to be said. And on uh, top of that, I think
1: mm-hmm a lot of the quote unquote rapid growth of the United States was due to slavery on top of that. So after the (laughs) native American part happened where it's like the actual United States did grow very quickly in early stages. And a lot of that had to do with, um, large loads of free labor.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I didn't mention that. I should have mentioned that. Um, what I said was the reason why the country developed so quickly was because like a lot of, there weren't a ton of regulations on business back in the day. I mean, there's still. If you compare America to other countries, I would I would say that you know I'm I'm no businessman, but I would say that in America it's probably there's less red tape to start a business in the United States. And yes, so- but as far as manufacturing
1: goes, this is not the mm-hmm. easiest. There's more regulations you know safety or, or various standards right. reg- regarding uh when it comes to manufacturing that would make the united states not a great place to do that right
0: that's true last one i'll give to you jared and then we'll move into the shout outs what do most americans think of british english
1: um it, uh, it automatically signals classiness
0: i said um, the same
1: like I remember listening to some some comedian or something, or maybe it was not even a comedian or scientist. I don't know. Someone talking about how like there are a lot of um, ads on TV, um, or there are movie like ads on TVs that use a British accent here in the United States for no mm-hmm. no part- particular reason. I mean, there's a particular reason that the marketing department goes with it, but like like. You know, it's a, it's just an American company advertising an American product. Why is what's with the American accent? Or a lot of movies that involve people of various, any movie that involves people from like not any movie, but a lot of movies that involve people from various, um, like various backgrounds, like like nationality backgrounds. They sort of just default to British accents as the as the go-to, and um, I think it's just That's kind like of funny, a, isn't it? it's it's like a fanciness thing it's exotic you know
0: right it's like you can sell it better i think exactly what i told my students was at least for me i definitely also like the sound of it i think it sounds very intelligent but at the same time to some level it also can sound kind of stuck up and snooty and posh Mm -hmm. depending on Depending on the way the speaker articulates and stuff like that. Let um, me clarify what yeah. I said what I wanted to say mm-hmm. by the
1: way. Movies where they sure. make up nationalities or like movies where it's from mm-hmm. like, you know, ancient times and it's like you right. know, maybe it's like uh like they're they're in the Middle East or something. Uh, and it's right. from like biblical times, but they're like, why does everyone have a mm-hmm. British accent? <laughs> like, if you're gonna right. choose an accent, why right. couldn't it be like the American accent? These are all like, it's an American movie. Like, it's you know, why did you choose a British accent? Because it's not like they were speaking in a British accent in the year, you know, eight, you know, thirteen or whatever, <laughs> in right uh, And exactly.
0: Arabia somewhere. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, and it's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, so anyways, those were some questions from my students. They always ask really interesting questions, and so I'm always happy to share them on the podcast because they're they're really, mm-hmm. they're, I have to say, they're really clever uh, and smart students. But, Jared, now I think they it's time to... They make me think about... Um,
1: spread a little love. They make me... Spread a little love. They make me think about, like, um, uh, the American culture from a different lens, too. Like, questions that seem kind of like you know, like either this makes no sense or this seems obvious to me, you know, it makes you think about it and be like, huh, why do we do that? I never really right. thought
0: about it. And that's a big thing about cultural awareness is that a lot of times we take things in our culture for granted because we just see it every day and we're kind of desensitized to it and we don't think about what what really lies behind it. And so it, sure. is, it is good to have these questions. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, Jared, my first shout out today. Or please. This is kind a of a crazy story. But pretty amazing as well. Um, So my first shout out goes out to a nine-year-old boy named Laurent, who is the youngest boy to uh, youngest person in general, I think. I don't think the gender really matters here. Uh, The youngest person to obtain a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering at the age of nine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: man, that kid's going to grow up to be like some sort of super villain or something. Um, a superhero
0: one or the other jared. all right Chad. we're, trying to, yeah, we're sure. trying to spread the love <laughs> <laughs> wow but so here this is the story jared this is the story interesting, pretty interesting so at the age of six lawrence was already attending secondary school which he completed in two years is he How british you complete uh uh i think he's dutch i think okay because okay because he's in the netherlands i believe oh, okay okay um But So listen to this. Seemingly bored by the pace, he was invited to take part in a research trajectory at the Academic Medical Center of Amsterdam. Over the summer holidays, he traveled to the United States to take part in special summer courses for highly gifted children at Stanford and Fairfield University. At the age of nine, Laurent kicked off his studies at the Technical University of Eindhoven. His professor there claimed Laurent was the smartest student he had ever taught. On top of that, he managed to complete his bachelor's degree in one year rather than the usual three years. So this is in the Netherlands rather than the usual three years for his fellow students. People saying that Laurent could be the new Einstein or Newton, his father said in an interview, uh, he had an IQ of 146 at the age of six, which has surely increased today, placing him in the exceptionally exceptionally gifted category. Clearly, I'm not exceptionally gifted at reading <laughs> things aloud, uh, where the next chapter will lead wow, him remains wow. unclear. But but media outlets have reported that a delegation from U.S. universities will be visiting Laurent and einhoven and possibly offer a master's opportunity or more. Mm-hmm. Would he complete it in six months? So who knows? But I think this is a really so amazing. it's not a matter so of out. could he complete the master's
1: program at the age of ten or nine. It's could you do it in six months?
0: <laughs> right. But that's the thing, dude. I don't get how he is completing stuff so yeah. quickly. Like, he has to have private tutors or is doing something because... No, 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 no. Private tutors cannot...
1: what you, do you think if your parents were, were like, multi-millionaires and could afford, like, the highest level private well, tutors, no, you'd no, be no, at no, this no, kid's no, level or something? No,
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean... The, okay. I mean no, Jared, what I mean here is that based on standard university classes, they're not offered at this pace. Oh, so yes, that's a great that's point. How I can mean, you even, yes, that's yeah, like I mean. how, how can you accelerate through these
1: things it? so quickly?
0: That's why I think he has to have like a like basically does like a like independent study is probably the phrase I should have yeah. used. Is it expensive to be this with these smart? Professors. That's a great well, that's a great question. I would if this is happening in the Netherlands, though, I'm assuming it's much oh, more yeah. affordable. Everything's free. Um, <laughs> right, right. But, yeah, I just don't understand how you can, how you can <laughs> graduate secondary school at the age of, what was it, the age of six, right? Um, uh, I think so, yeah, that's what you said. Age of six, he was attending secondary school. And graduating university school. at nine? He, Yeah, so, so sorry. So, he he finished secondary school in two years from the age of six to eight. But, like, how how is that possible? How right i just don't understand like like people like people, like people
1: does he skip grades is that what it is and it's like for, forget forget these two
0: grades just go to skip multiple grades or does, or does he do like is this kind of like a billy madison scenario where he does like a <laughs> like grade a month or something like i don't know i just or don't know does how, he just how this like, is possible Does he
1: just like... He's like, I'll just take the exams. Like, he's just like, give me the final exam from last semester and I'll just take it and pass it. I studied everything. I don't know. But what kind of asshole... I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. But I I don't understand how this works either. But it doesn't matter because this was never going to be my trajectory as a child. (laughs) I never had to concern myself with this level of learning. I was like, hey, can we slow this down
0: a little bit for uh, my boy? Right. Right. Yeah, I just... Yeah, it blows my mind. It's really amazing. So shout out to, shout out to you, Laurent. Uh, you yeah. obviously, I don't even need to you say betcha. it. But you have an incredibly bright future. Mm. and brilliant. I would love to, have, would love to get in contact him on the podcast? with this kid and get him on the podcast. Yes, yes. That would be so amazing. Um, he has an Instagram, Jared. Laurent underscore Simons. All right. How do you spell Laurent? I'm, I'm sorry. L-A, I- it's like the name Lauren with a T. L A U R E N T underscore S I M O N S. All right. I found him. Cool. Yeah, this is we weird. Would I love feel like you a child. <laughs> <But> <laughs> right. He looks like a normal kid. He does. I mean, he, like I he, mean, he is a normal kid to some true. extent. He's well, just a super genius. First of
1: all, no, he's not. He's not a normal kid. Now I'm looking at him. <laughs> doing formulas on a whiteboard in his room and i'm like "Oh right this is that's right
0: this is genius right this is genius here he's
1: miles ahead of me
0: also he's yeah okay i'm gonna i followed him i'll make it happen cool sweet send him a message because it would be so cool to talk to this kid and have him on the podcast (laughs) uh it would be really amazing He's like, you know what, I'll, I'll edit the podcast it. for you. He's like, you know what, just send it to
1: me however right. you want. I'll, I'll make it. And this just sounds right. like like we're on the Joe Rogan experience. I'm like, what did he do? They're <laughs> <laughs> right. They're right. Oh, man, that would be great. That would be great. Um All right, so my last yeah, shout-out no, for that's today.
0: A, I, I love it. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? My last shout-out today, and I wish I had the names of these guys, but the headline just says, Six Scuba Divers Remove... 4,000 kilograms of plastic from the sea in Andhra Pradesh. So uh, six scuba divers. Now, I can tell you these are all scuba diving instructors of a company called Platypus Escapes, which is a rushikonda based company. They've been diving more than two meters down under the sea every day to remove plastic waste that has been accumulating there. They've collected, as I said, over 4,000 kilograms of plastic waste in 13 days. So for our American Mm. listeners out there, that's over 8,000 pounds of plastic waste in 13 days. Uh, So I think this is really amazing that they are uh, taking the time and effort to clean up the ocean and every little bit helps. So shout out to these six scuba diving instructors who have been uh, cleaning up the ocean. Well, Jared, I think you probably know what time it is by chance. Uh, of course I do, Chad. There we the, go. The owl doesn't we lie. Go. And we Definitely would never neglect the untranslatables. So mind if I get us started, Jared? Please. So I have two Chinese untranslatables for us today. My first one is hulun um, tun zhao, which means swallow the dates whole.
1: Uh, is that like to get like a, is like to like take a leap of faith or is it like to get a big bolt of courage where it's like, I'm like, F it, I gotta do this, I'm brave now? I
0: love where your head's at, Jared, but not at all. Let me give you an example, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a man who loved eating pears and dates. However, one day a doctor told him, Eating pears is good for your teeth, but overeating them will harm your spleen. Dates are good for your spleen, but overeating them will harm your teeth. The man decided that as long (laughs) as he only chewed the pears and only swallowed the dates, he would be just fine. Of course, it wasn't long before he experienced a horrible stomach ache. You, you You can't beat the system. Not quite. I like see, you can't I see take shortcuts to,
1: to. Huh. Okay. Please not, just.
0: Not. 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 Not quite. Not quite. You. You're close. You're. You're getting there, but uh, not quite. Basically, this idiom is used to describe a person who accepts information without prior analysis, reflection, or understanding. Hmm. So basically, you just take something mm. at face value and you accept right. it for what it you're is. Not, yeah, you're right? not fully because the doctor said. Exactly, because the doctor said, you know, the pears are good for your teeth. So, oh, they're good for my teeth. I'll chew them. The yeah. dates are good for my spleen, but they're bad for my teeth. Oh, I'll just swallow them whole. <laughs> yeah. Right. All right. My
1: first one is Hungarian. Uh, and it goes roughly, but definitely not like this. Kutiabul nemle zlalona. You can't make bacon out of a dog. You can't, you can't make, make bacon, bacon out, of a out of
0: a dog. They might How disagree you? with you in some Asian countries. Um, they might disagree <laughs> with you on that one. Um, okay, oh, you can't wow. make bacon That's with a, a <laughs> dog. <laughs> um, is this like you can't... I mean, you you gotta you gotta work with what you got like you can't you can't yeah i'll end it there you gotta work with what you got yeah
1: but let me push you a little farther let's say if um okay. let's say um you know so you know we, we were in a relationship we are in a podcast mm-hmm. relationship and i wanted you to edit all the podcasts and you were like no man no, you know and I, and, can't and make like bacon I'm, out of a dog and I, and I, I'm like and I'm, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, no you're right you can't can't make bacon out of a dog. It's like you can't change a person essentially, you know ah uh, okay, yeah. okay, that makes sense. That was that a bad example. Sense. that was a bad example, but I was trying to think of something quick, and I couldn't, and that's oh, right. but, that, you're good. but um so that's why I just gave it to you. okay. I failed you and everyone okay. here at the untranslatable podcast. I'll do better next time, 20 lashes to myself after this. <laughs>
0: So, Jared, my last one for today is also Chinese, and it is Tang Bi Dang Chi, which means a mantis trying to stop a carriage.
1: Um, it's like you're going up against an insurmountable task, or like your mm. eyes are bigger than your stomach.
0: Uh, well, okay. So, if we unpack that, your eyes are bigger than your stomach... Um, I would say your eyes are bigger than your well your eyes are bigger than your stomach they are I would say they tend to be bigger than your stomach for two reasons, right? Cuz your brave. One reason could be a
1: brave person. Very
0: brave. Are you are you brave though, Jared, if you overeat or you you waste a bunch of money on food? Oh, uh, stupid. Cuz your eyes were bigger than this Basically, yes, this means you're foolish. Okay. Okay. Foolish. Okay. And let me, let me tell you the story, though, Jared, because these, these two idioms for today, I found some stories about them, which I thought was pretty cool. So here we go. As the story goes, there was a very strong mantis, tongue, um, who could destroy all other mantises in fights. Of course, this mantis got a little too cocky as a result of this. One day, a horse carriage was driving by, and the overconfident mantis decided to raise his arms in an attempt to stop the rolling carriage. Of course the driver ignored the stupid mantis and kept driving straight. <laughs> the and stupid naturally, mantis the, the mantis was run over and killed as a result of his foolishness. So there you go. Mm.
1: Okay. Alright. Thank you. I like that. I like the stories. I mm. feel like the um, the Chinese ones specifically are good with the stories because even mm. Mama Hoo-hoo, Even this one had a great story
0: too. Right. That's the thing. I think a lot of things in China in general have a lot of really cool traditions and stories about them. There are a lot of there are a lot of dishes in Chinese cuisine that have a specific historical relevance, a lot of proverbs. Um, yeah, there's which I guess right, could be
1: untranslatable, so a lot of untranslatables.
0: That's right. That's right. I mean Chinese culture in itself I think is very fascinating because it does have such a rich and deep history. But I will tell you Jared one thing. That is that has a fairly short history here in China is the state of English teaching in China. I can tell yes. you that after the Cultural Revolution and uh, diplomatic tensions between Russia and China kind of fell apart, uh, not the tensions but the diplomatic relationship between Russia and China fell apart. Russian used to be the foreign language that was taught here in China, um, but then they changed it over to English. Um, and so uh, I will tell you when that was in this? the beginning... This was in the I believe the late fifties, early sixties. So that's a long um, time ago. Especially? Is
1: it well, it's, well, let's compare to say um Czech Republic where you used where you used to live. That's they were true. under control uh of the Soviet Union, you know, uh for longer than than that.
0: Right. Well, and China wasn't under control of the Soviet Union. They were doing it more just for international relation purposes and for practicality.
1: But there were still... They,
0: okay, yeah. Okay,
1: that's fair. That's fair. But there yeah. were still like, regardless of, uh, of, of what it was for, they were still being taught Russian as their second language. And essentially Correct. what I'm getting at is, I would say, and I assume you would agree that in general... Uh, English as a second language is better in Czech Republic
0: than it is in China, at least by your experience. From my own experience, absolutely. But I was also at a very, very good school. From what I've been told, uh, the school that I was I was teaching at is one of the best in the region, in Ustetsky Krai, which is the Ustinad Labem uh, region in the Czech Republic. Um, but it, it, I think it really depends on the region in the Czech Republic and the school. That also is the same here in China. Like in Beijing, a lot of people will speak some English, I think just because there are a lot of foreigners in Beijing. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in Jinan, it's very rare when I go somewhere and someone will speak English with me. Now, most people will say hello to me in English. They'll say hello um, or hi, which is nice. Uh, but the, the interesting thing is, I guess, in terms of... <laughs> Every time you other, say, which
1: is nice, I believe you a little bit less... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ask me again a few months, Jared, and I might be like, ah, "Just tell me how." Just tell me how. But, but the interesting thing is, though, is I've talked to some friends of mine who have worked in other Asian countries like uh, Vietnam and South Korea, and they have told, and a few of them have also spent time teaching English in China, and mm-hmm. a lot of them have said that the level of English uh, proficiency is much higher in South Korea and Vietnam than it is in China. I can't speak for Japan because I don't have any colleagues from there and I've never taught English there. So so that's why Japan is off the list right now. Um, but the interesting thing is I think it's because there are some cultural differences going on here. I think there are also some educational differences going on, like just the way education is, um, you know, the expectations and also the, the way the administration works in different countries in South Korea versus China or Vietnam, Um but it's, it's really interesting because I remember telling my colleagues in the Czech Republic after I got my job offer to come here to China, I remember then me telling them, like, I'm, I'm a little worried about this language barrier. You know, the Czech language barrier was a little difficult. Well, in the beginning, it was very difficult for me. But here in China, it's been a whole different scenario. Because I would say over 80% of the people that I come, I would... I would even go out on a limb and say 90% of the people that I talk to here in China, um, I don't know if it's because they don't have good speaking skills or if it's because they're shy or they feel intimidated speaking to a native speaker. Most people do not. It seems like to me they don't speak English uh, here. And I think there are a few different reasons why. Uh, one of them, I think, is that in school, even though they needed to learn English, A lot of what they learn in school is reading and writing and grammar, so that doesn't help you with speaking. Right, that Mm -hmm. you can't improve your communication skills if you are only learning about grammar and only reading and only writing. Um, At the same time, I think another issue is that uh, a lot of Chinese people don't have a ton of exposure to a lot of English-speaking things. Like if you want to watch movies, a lot of them are dubbed media. Right, well, and there's certain media that they're blocked from as well, and a lot of movies they watch dubbed, you know. So like all Wait, the Avengers hold on, hold movies. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned, uh, sorry, you
1: mentioned that um, because you know they're taught grammar and they're it's sort of very lecture based. Do you notice if if they're taught heavily grammar, and that's why they're not good at speaking? Have you noticed that they're better? At least your students are good writers.
0: Well, funny you mentioned that, Jared. I have a stack of homework assignments. Oh. I just got done grading last night. And I would say overall... Let's roast your I mean, students the gram-
1: live on the Untranslatable
0: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I would say overall that the, I would say their level of writing, their writing abilities are definitely better than their speaking abilities for many of my students. Mm-hmm. Now, now, whether or not that means they have great grammar, I think is on a case-to-case basis. Uh, because I also think it really depends on how the students were taught grammar, um, and if and, you're not good at knowing good their words awareness because
1: you haven't spoken the language, it's, maybe it's hard to even apply the writing part of it.
0: Well, it's not even. Or it's, it's like not you don't even, even know the, how you
1: would say this, really.
0: Right. You just know it's, how to formulate that,
1: a sentence.
0: Exactly, and that goes back to the idea of exposure. I think in China there is an incredible lack of exposure to the English language. Uh, mm. we, we talked about it in my classes. Like one of the biggest challenges here in China is how do you promote a 100% English speaking environment in your language classes? And really the only solution that we were able to come up with, and if any of our listeners out there have any ideas of some ways to come up with an entire lesson in English, please let us know. But the what only do you mean? solution not that- you do that, well, well, let, let me explain. So the, at least, the sol- well, first of all, the solution we came up with was you have to just hire um, native English speakers because I don't speak enough Chinese to where I could explain anything to my classes in Chinese. So everything right. has to be done in English. Mm-hmm. But a lot of Chinese teachers, uh, I think, will resort back to Chinese when they teach their English classes for numerous reasons. Some of it could be that uh, their students aren't understanding the material in English, so they have to explain it in Chinese which is fine. I think if you do that once in a while, I think that's totally fine. When I was teaching German at Michigan state, I would occasionally try to explain stuff in English too. When I realized I explained it three or four times in German and I did it different (laughs) ways in German. I did. I yelled at them. (laughs) Uh, Exactly. Uh, Yes. Totally Jared. Totally. Um, uh, But anyway, so, so I think that's one thing. I think another thing too is, is that some English teachers here in China, in middle schools and high schools are not very proficient in English. And Mm. once again, this all comes back to the idea of exposure. Um, You know, it's, it's like anything you can never expect to speak a language really well. If you don't, if you're not exposed to it on a daily basis, if you don't use it daily, um, you know, I feel that way with my German and I know Jared feels that way with his German too, because we're not using it and exposed to it every day. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's for so, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: uh, do they have a uh, thirst for more American media, or is it just because it's not as because it's not as um, readily available? It's just like well, we we don't even have a thirst for it because it's not even like we get what we what I, we what we have. We have good stuff
0: too. I think I think that's a really valid point, Jared. And a great question. I think that. I don't think there's a thirst for American media because of the discourse here in China about Western media. But I what's will the say discourse? This. I mean, I think I think there's the still devils. is to, well, they don't even believe to my, religion. So, well, I think that the 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 things that I have at least observed here and, and from heard from my colleagues and, and other people here, at least what my observations have been is there there is still this kind of. East versus West mentality here in China. Mm. Um, and whether or not they think that's good or bad is is another conversation that we could have. But uh, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, I think there's a concern here that uh, Western ideals are very different than Chinese ideals. And so it's not good to, you know, really surround yourself with all this Western media and things like this. But I, mean, I can also no... tell you that... Go ahead, sorry. But I can also tell you that my students are incredibly curious about Western culture and American culture. And I think a lot of that is because they don't get taught much about it unless they have a foreign teacher as their teacher, Mm -hmm. or they have a Chinese teacher who has spent time abroad. And I can tell you the best examples of Chinese people I know who speak good English all spent time abroad. All spent a year in the UK or or Australia or the United States, or spent longer time there, and those are really the people who speak very very good English here.
1: And I and I think it's personally I think that living in like trying to live in denial of even things that you like disagree with is not is not helpful, you know. Like if if you believe I don't know if you believe that you're if you're culture is a better way to live then that would be obvious when they'd be exposed to it like i just don't understand why shielding people from that would would benefit you know
0: benefit them i don't know hey if you're confident yeah, I'm, not, I'm not sure either i'm not sure either that's a great question jared um, but yeah so i think it's i think it's really really an issue here of of exposure also though like the way that the like i think i've mentioned this before to jared if you walk around my campus, especially at night, you will see just droves of students buried in a textbook speaking aloud right. because they are memorizing. Um, if I had if I had a dollar for every time I've seen a student memorizing a textbook or memorizing something, I think we I could I would be maybe become a supervillain because I would be a billionaire. Um, <laughs> and. Are,
1: the, uh, are there any. I, oh, please, please go ahead. Go, go ahead. Go ahead are there any professions uh in china or like places of business that you can go to where you get where you know you'll be able to speak english like oh i think when lot, i go to the bank i know i can communicate or if i i don't know mm, just nope. making something i nope, was just making definitely not up. the bank okay definitely not the, not bank.
0: the bank i would i would say hotel ho- like nicer hotels usually yes that at makes least. sense yep nicer hotels usually yes um I mean, I haven't done any guided tours, but I would assume guided tours, obviously, because we <laughs> are paying for that. Um, I would assume. I would assume. But the thing is, is that the service but tours. Industry, that's
1: not like a. That's you know, you're not going on tours in, in Genome.
0: right? Not yet. Maybe I will. Who knows? But you're um, never. Um, the, please don't. The, 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 the thing, <laughs> I mean, the I wouldn't Please, actually do. The thing is, is that even the service industry, so like waiters, waitresses, restaurants. A lot of these places, they don't speak English, at least here Mm -hmm. in Jinan. In Beijing, some places they do, other places they don't. Um, I think it really depends. And a lot of this, once again, still goes back to my point of talking about exposure. In big cities like Beijing and Shanghai, there's just more English around you. Here in Jinan, I am the only English around me as far as I know. Like, I haven't seen any other foreigners live, at least in my district where I live. Um, So that's kind of interesting. Another thing, though, too, is that uh, going back to the whole memorization thing is what I've been told by Chinese colleagues of mine is the reason why they they really want students to memorize is they believe that you cannot interpret things until you have until you really understand the the words in the textbook but I find it interesting because I don't think memorizing is really a way to prove you understand it. And here's a good example of this. So Chinese students in uh, primary school, I think it's, it's either primary school or secondary school. They are required to memorize the Analects of Confucius. So these are like the important like sayings and writings of Confucius, right? And I think there's like 60, there's over 60 of them. And so they're expected to memorize these and then recite them. Right. Um, but the thing is, is uh, one of my colleagues, she asked her students, like, do, do you still remember these from like primary school or secondary school? And a lot of them did. And so they recited them to her. And my, and, uh, my colleague, she, she's American, but she speaks fluent Chinese. So they recited them to her in Chinese. And then she asked them in Chinese, okay, can you tell me what these mean? And none of the students were able to.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
0: think that just goes to show that memorizing, being able to just say something does not mean you understand it. I think, I think it means you know it on like a lower level, like you can recall it, but recalling it is not applying it or analyzing it or things like this. So it's a very, I think there's this really big kind of gap between, like I've noticed my students struggle when I ask them questions that for a, a, an American student or a European student would be a very easy question, but I make them think. And they start like frantically, like flipping through their textbook,
1: uh, looking to for, try like, to an find answer. the
0: answer. And I'm like, no, like you got you guys should know this answer. Like just think about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really interesting, and I think some of that also goes back to um, a lower level of uh, English proficiency here in China. Is that I think students are incredibly good at memorizing things, like memorizing speeches or memorizing vocabulary but that doesn't mean that they're able to use it or they're able mm-hmm. to communicate and apply it in a more free way.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's not really a useful useful skill outside of passing a, a immediate upcoming test.
0: Exactly. And, I mean, that's the big thing here. Students here are tested like crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amaran's talked about how when she was in school, when she was young... Uh, learning English was considered cool. She, you know, she's from the Mm -hmm. Netherlands. And um, do you notice any of that in China among your, like, I assume you have students that are, you know, more proficient at English than others. Is there any, is there anything to
0: being good at English there in China? That's a great, that's a really great question. You're, you've really pulled out all the good questions today, Jared. I, I have, to, <laughs> have to give you some, give you some praise oh, for that. thank you. Um, I, think it, I think it really depends. The students that I have in my classes that are very proficient, a few of them want to pursue a postgraduate degree in either education or English teaching or something like that. So I think they're just incredibly passionate about it. A few of my other students went to very prestigious schools, and they had very good teachers when they were younger. Um, obviously, still, the students still have to do a lot of work as well. You know, not Having a good teacher doesn't automatically make you a proficient language speaker in any language. But I, I don't think it has the same cool factor here. I think here it's, it's looked at more as a tool to become successful later in life. It's viewed as a way to hopefully improve ties between China and other uh, countries in the West and around <laughs> the world. Um, so I think it's viewed as more of a practicality <laughs> thing and not a cool thing, and I think that's because Western media and Western culture isn't viewed as. I, I it's, not as say it's, pumped, a it's not as it's not pumped into way, their system as much. Exactly, in general. Exactly. Right. Like you go to Germany, you see so much American media, movies, television series, all sorts of stuff like that. Uh, Most of them follow American or British, uh, you know, actors or comedians or whatever. Exactly. So that's a really big difference, I would say, between uh, like the West and and China. And I think also, too, that also, as I mentioned earlier, when we were talking about this segment, uh, the main segment is that, uh, you know, in Europe, I think Europe looks at America as kind of like they're like. Adorable little brother or like funny little cousin, right in China. I think they they really look at America as like America is this China is this and we don't see a similarity Um, And I mean, yeah, there are plenty of cultural differences But I do think there are a lot of similarities between the US and China that if people stopped Stopped just with this East versus West barriers. They would realize there's a lot of similarities Uh, I think in China and in the United States There are a lot of really incredibly hardworking people, Uh, and I think Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot. There's other similarities as well that you could bring between the U.S. and China. Um, I think both countries has really, really rich and diverse um, cuisine. You know, Chinese cuisine is really diverse. American cuisine is all over the place as well. Um, So you know, so yeah. But I think that's one of the main reasons. So I have. Mm
1: -hmm. Go for it.
0: Um, Go for it.
1: I have a list here of the top... Well, I have a list of the top eight, uh, 90. Um, uh, countries ranked by English profic- proficiency. I want you to guess where China is, but I'll tell you it's in the top 50.
0: Okay. Can, can I guess the number one or the top top couple of them first? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So I... I'm going to have to say that I personally think Netherlands is probably number one. There you go. Parada. Number one is the after Netherlands. The, after the Netherlands, I would say probably Sweden or Denmark
1: or Norway. He son of a bitch. Number two is Sweden. <laughs> number three is Norway. Number four is Denmark. <laughs>
0: Woo, all right. All right. All right. So, So now for China, you said they're in the top 50? Uh-huh. Okay. I would say China probably ranks... I would and say have,
1: I'll say this before you answer that they uh-huh. separate. Uh, I mean, it makes sense that they separate Hong Kong, but they separate mm-hmm.
0: um, Macau, mainland China, reason. and Macau as well. Okay, so I would say mainland China. But they're right China. next to each other. Okay, I would. Well, okay. In that case, though, I would say Hong Kong is ranks higher than China because they use Very English good. more in in Hong Kong. I would say Macau comes next, and then it would be mainland China. Would be my guess. Am I right about that? um well hong kong does rate many steps
1: higher but not not over not i would not crazy i mean i need to know a confidence interval before i say significantly but not crazily higher (laughs) but it does rank higher noticeably higher hong kong is 33 and uh i'll say this just throw it in here taiwan which they also call china on the uh on this list listen i'm not involved is 38 Right, me either um okay. <laughs> um uh china, china I'm, is gonna f-
0: guess, <clears throat> I'm gonna guess i'm gonna guess china's 41 and macau 40 flip those around really okay mm-hmm. so mainland china's 41 or 40 macau's 41
1: yes there you go
0: oh interesting okay mm-hmm. what about um, i'm just curious jared what about mongolia where does mongolia is mongolia on the list mongolia Mongolia is on the list not doing well barely made
1: the list at least the list i have a screenshot of 88 okay where's mongolia let's, at 88 i just said it
0: oh 88 okay gotcha, yeah <laughs> gotcha.
1: okay um let's see if there okay. are any ones that specifically stick out to me we have a friend Where's czech republic uh we have a friend, I'll tell you in a second, I need to find it. We have mm-hmm. a friend, alright, I found it. We have a friend uh-huh. that speaks Russian. Uh-huh. He studied abroad in mm-hmm. Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, what do you think the uh, English proficiency was in Russia? I'll tell you this, it was at? also in the mm-hmm. top
0: 50. Okay, that doesn't surprise me. Hmm. I would. S- mm, I don't know, because I don't know anything about the Russian education system at all. Forty-eight. Um, where do you think okay.
1: uh, Czech Republic fa- fa- falls? I, I see it. I know I'd where it s- is. I'd say in the top thirty. Yeah, that's true. Okay,
0: twenty-seven.
1: Very close. Twenty-three. Underestimated. Okay. Oh, Underestimated nice. Then. Okay. Where do you think Germany falls? Just for fun, then we'll move on.
0: <laughs> Germany's got to be up there. I would it's say is probably sure. like seven. Would be no my guess. Finland. Germany oh, Finland is seven. Okay,
1: nine number 10 number 10. nine okay. is luxembourg right. eight is austria oh, nice. shout out okay nice uh, then some obvious ones like, like so singapore austria is
0: higher than germany yeah by two places Really, maybe it helps to totally smaller i wonder could be yeah i um, wonder how they come up with the parametrics for these kinds of things
1: yeah some of the other top ones don't make sense like singapore makes sense south africa mm-hmm. makes sense
0: uh poland
1: right. portugal Portugal's kind of surprising honest with
0: you Where's Spain um, at? Spain's probably lower, right? Yeah, that's, yeah,
1: that's, um, Spain is 35, not great. Italy's 36. And France France is 31, not great either. I mean, France it's not bad. It's, just, it's not okay. bad, yeah. But it's surprising that Portugal, I mean, I, I, I kind of pictured Portugal to be in that region too around Italy, but, you know, just because it's next to each other doesn't mean that they have the same education system. They're different countries. It's
0: true. Very true. Very true.
1: Do you have any other questions, though, Jared, about the state of English in China? I do, Chad. Thanks for asking. Uh, have you gotten any pushback on your teaching style while in China or the
0: Czech Republic? Czech Republic, uh, not at all. My teachers were, my co teachers were f- incredibly supportive, and I think they really liked uh, the enthusiasm and the activities I brought into the lessons. Here in China, not, not yet. But I also haven't been observed by any of my colleagues, which I'm kind of surprised because we're on week twelve now at the university, and, <laughs> and I think kind of somebody free would free roll <laughs> right? Well, and the, the thing is, is that I haven't really been given much guidance at all for, like, for my methodology course. They basically said, "Here's the textbook. Here you go." And then my freshman English class that started two weeks ago. Um, they were like, there's no textbook, just make them speak English. There you go. So I have think I have a lot of freedom and flexibility here. Talk to
1: other uh, colleagues about that.
0: A little bit, like, like, yeah.
1: Are you the only one that's just, uh, that's you know, go for it? Or are other people getting that same situation? No, 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 foreign no. All the that's
0: other foreign, foreign teachers, unless there's a textbook, and even with a textbook, I think... At least at my university, I think they understand the role of having a foreign teacher here, which is that we are able to teach in a way that uh, that our Chinese colleagues probably will not teach in. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm not just this this typical lecture style teacher. You know, I have my students do a lot. I have them do a lot of discussions. We play games. I try to think of really outlandish and crazy examples in order for them to understand stuff. Like yesterday, we were talking about um. You stand on the stress. table ever? Have you stood have on the table? I have not stood on the table. Okay. I haven't stood on the table yet. I did, when we were talking about class discipline, though, we were talking about ways to discipline your classes. And so what I did was uh, I was like, what you really need to do with your students is, I had like a long pause, and then I like yelled. I was like, scare them! And I like pounded on the desk. <laughs> oh, And all wow. my students were like... <gasps> Like they were terrified. <laughs> oh, I love um, it. Yeah. And so like, I try <laughs> to use yeah. crazy examples like that. I Another cannot imagine you yesterday doing things in class. like this. I never, oh, you, was,
1: you, you never expel more than a, like a certain window of energy. I feel like you're very even keeled.
0: I am usually very even keeled. You're right. You're, yeah, you're right. I guess when I'm teaching though, it's, it brings out a different part of me, wow. I guess. Um, okay. Uh, Teacher Chad versus real Chad are two different chats. I feel like so I prefer sure. teacher Chad. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. My students probably do too. But anyways, th- the funny thing is is that, so yesterday I was also trying to, I try to just use these crazy examples just to get them more excited about learning and, and more interested. So, so mm-hmm. I use the example of uh, sentence stress, like stressing a specific wording, a sentence changes the meaning. So, so I use the sentence, I didn't steal your wallet. So if I say I didn't steal your wallet, that has a different meaning than I didn't steal your wallet. Or if I say I didn't steal your wallet, right, I stole someone else's wallet. Or if I say I didn't steal your wallet, that means I took something else from you, but I didn't steal your wallet. Right? <laughs> I didn't steal your wallet. <laughs> I stole your cell phone, but I didn't steal your wallet, right? Um, and this still. not lie, you asked it. if
1: I stole your wallet.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um so, yeah, so it was it was kind of funny to um, to do that. And I think that is why, like, they like foreign teachers at my university, because we teach in a different way than our Chinese counterparts will. And I'm not saying it's better or worse. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying it it's gives just a, gives a, our students a different perspective. If, exactly. Yeah. Gives them some diversity in their education. Mm-hmm. And uh, it also gives them a window into how they could teach in the future. Because I think there are good things about the way that uh, Chinese teachers do lecture. They have a really great way of distilling a lot of information and providing students with the most important information, which is an important skill to have and be able to do. But it's also good to really be able to engage your students and get them, uh, really give them a stake in their own uh, learning. I mean, especially
1: you, you're teaching teaching English methodology, which is essentially Mm -hmm. teaching these Chinese students how to teach English, it would be useful if they knew at least in their, in their arsenal or knew of or was aware of different methods of teaching rather than just the lecture at you method. Oh, absolutely. Uh, if the, if, if you're going to go into that industry.
0: It's like know right. some, no some other techniques. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I think that the whole field of teaching is, has changed a lot over the years, and it will continue to change. And so that's why it's very important to get very diverse um, perspectives on teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I agree. So yeah, but, no put, but that was the long answer, Jared, to your question of, so far, there's been no pushback on my All teaching right. style more. and my teaching methodology here in China. Go for it.
1: Were you given any tips by anyone on
0: how to approach
1: locals as an English speak- speaker? Like the best way to approach them knowing that you're not going to be able to interact with them, essentially.
0: I've, I've kind of been on my own very steep learning curve here in China. I've reached out okay. to some of my friends, but basically, what I do, do is like, I say, Suck it up, dude. You're on your I own. say, Right, right. <laughs> well, I say, Ni hao, dui wo de bu hao, which means, Hello, I'm very sorry, but my Chinese is bad. Mm. which really I need to just say I don't speak Chinese. I haven't learned that phrase yet. Um, and the only reason why I know this other phrase is from the song of the pod that Jared and I uh, played, which is called Duy Bu Chi, Wo de Zhang Wen Bu. I think the song is just called Duy Bu Chi, I'm Sorry. Duy Bu Chi, Wo de zhangwen Wen Bu. That's the way the, the melody of the song goes. <laughs> but anyway, so, so that's usually what I do. And then I hold up my cell phone with a translation of whatever I need, and it mm. solves the problem okay uh, i'm
1: surprised that there was no sort of uh like that never came up in, in your communications with people because you're also you know no one there none of your colleagues in, in various cities know how to speak chinese i assume
0: hmm. a few of them do oh, but okay. most of but them for the don't. most part they don't most It's surprising
1: don't. that just doesn't Correct. come up i assumed it would come up, right
0: Right. Well, I think a a lot of it is because, just to end end this, Jared, I think a lot of that mm -hmm. is because most of my colleagues have worked in other countries before. So I think it's kind of assumed that we'll figure it out. So like the idea of of being in that sort of culture, language
1: culture shock is not as much of a thing. It's like we've all been in the situation before. We get it.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. All right. I get that. Well, Jared, now I think it's time to talk about some super funky grooves today yes and funky grooves and soulful vibes is definitely a way to uh discuss this song of the pod today which is called money by who's it by it's by michael
1: kiwanuka and tom mish previous song of the podist tom mish but this is a new mm-hmm. song that came out a couple of months ago and uh it's very groovy as chad said uh michael uh Kwanuka is a singer and then uh, tom mish is on guitar and, and he does some backup singing too i think uh it is very <laughs> groovy it's very sort of upbeady you know like puts you in a good mood like like it makes you oh, want absolutely. to tackle the day you know I, I imagine myself tackling on the day not being afraid of what's ahead of me when i hear this mm-hmm. song and uh putting on a smile but uh, also a firm smile telling people don't mess with me but i'm very friendly
0: <laughs> I like that. Don't mess with me, but I'm very friendly. Yeah, and this this gives me like kind of like some slight Motownish vibes. Also, some mm. like Earthwind and Fire vibes. Yeah, that
1: high that high vo- the like the the, 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 the the chorus happening in the background gives a very mm-hmm. uh, Earthwind and fiery vibe for sure.
0: But it's it's a cool track. It's really mm-hmm. great. The bass line is really awesome. Yes. Uh, the music video is also pretty interesting. I like the suits that they're wearing. And
1: we here at the Untranslatable Podcast uh, already stan, as the kids say, for Tom Mish. And so oh, yeah. uh, this finding a great song like this is just another excuse to or another excuse to highlight him and find a new guy, Michael Kiwanaka, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Hold on, let me make sure I said that right. Kiwanuka, Michael Kiwanuka, is British. And Mm -hmm. uh, we here at the Untreads Label Podcast like to share songs that aren't by Americans. Find it on our YouTube channel. Song of the Pod Playlist is what it's called. That's right. On our YouTube. I had to think about it for a second.
0: (laughs) So as all of you listeners out there know, or should know by now, we are big supporters of language learning, yeah. Jared and I are on our slow but steady journey to learning a new language and maybe one day becoming a polyglot as well, which would be awesome. I have my goal set for 2040 to be an official polyglot. I'm sticking by it. Um, it's on our so Google anyways, calendar. That's right. Well, my Bing calendar here in China, Jared. Watch out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not trying to get you gab. <laughs>
1: but, but anyways,
0: so my Chinese word today is... Let me give it one more listen because I always mess up these tones. Tongxin. And Tongxin means communicate, hmm. which I picked this word today because I think if there is more communication, uh, the state of English in China will become much better.
1: Yeah, for sure. My um, Spanish word of the pod has an umlaut in it, I believe, over the, a U, and okay. it's bilingue. Yep. Mm, bilingual. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which at one point, many, many years ago, I might have actually been able to claim that. Now I'm just a fraud that puts it on his resume. That's not true, right? <laughs> in business terms, I can make it happen. Let's just be clear if anyone's listening. Oh, you um, can definitely make it happen. Yeah. Give me a couple, give and me it, a month or two of being back in it. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. Right. Yo soy bilingue.
0: I, I would be willing to bet Jared, give you two weeks. And I bet you wow. you'd be getting back into it. I'll, I'll but take anyways. it, Anyways. All right. I, I will tell you, though, Jared, interesting thing about the umlaut in Spanish. I've been told the reason why it, they use it is because, so bilingue, I guess there's a, like bilingue, a different... If, I think that's why, yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting, but yeah. So they, that's Anyways, how they use it, up. like they use it in, in German? I think so. It's similar, okay. yeah. But it's a little s- more subtle, I would assume absolutely yeah i would agree because there's a different sound when it's just gu right in in spanish um so that's why they use it to differentiate oh the sound. and it could be weird anyway, because sometimes yeah. the g represents
1: like an h sound too maybe that could confuse right. things. exactly yeah. exactly
0: so so yeah um anyways time to recap our episode for today i think i think the state of english in china obviously it's hard for me to say because i've only been here for two months But from what I've heard, it has gotten much better over the years. But I think if there is more exposure to English here in China, it will greatly improve. Um, And I also think that there has been a shift now a little bit in education to focus more on communication in schools and not only reading and writing and grammar. But the issue is, as Jared mentioned, a lot of this is due to memorizing and test taking. And tests still serve a very important role here in China, So uh, it will be interesting to see how English changes and improves in the future in China um, and what steps will be, how do I say this eloquently, Uh, what steps will be taken in order for um, the state of English in China to improve. Uh, But I think they are on the right track, slowly but surely. It will just take some time because there are a lot of uh, different things that need to change. But it's been a very eye-opening and interesting experience for me so far in China with the lack of base English uh, in terms of communication and speaking levels, which hopefully in turn will just make me a better Chinese speaker. But stay tuned to future episodes, and you'll find out one way or another. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. You betcha. Well, we hope you have uh, learned a few new things about the state of English in China right now. Especially if you're planning on traveling here and you expect that everyone will be able to speak English. My one word of advice for all of you non-Chinese speakers coming to visit China, make sure you get a SIM card and you have internet access here because I live or die by my smartphone here in China. Mm -hmm. So make sure you do that and make necessary arrangements before you get here. So we hope you've enjoyed this episode and learned a few new things today, whether that be our untranslatables or just some uh, of my observations while being here in China and what the state of English language proficiency is like here. So we really appreciate all of your support. Uh, Check us out on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast, for pictures, clips, and all sorts of good stuff check us out on youtube untranslatable podcast so you can hear our uh, very groovy and soulful song of the pod today uh called money uh and you can find that at our youtube channel untranslatable podcast at our song of the pod playlist so check that out and please give us five star reviews on itunes and stitcher spread let us know how we can make this podcast better for you we would really appreciate it Also, feel free to drop a line on the uh, feedback or the comments if you have any untranslatables or topics you would like us to cover. We'd be happy to give you a shout out on the podcast as well. So, as we say here at the Untranslatable Podcast, de cuyame, muchas gracias, and shisha.